We going to get into this word. Amen. Praise the Lord. So go with me to Mark 10, chapter 10, verse 17, which reads, Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now down to verse 19. He answered and said, You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. One thing. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now turn with me to Philippians 3 and 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me, brethren. I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing, one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal. For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. May the Lord add a blessing to the hearing, reading, and doing of his word. Let's give the Lord praise for his word on this morning. Now I know that we are a communal people. No man is an island. We've heard it so many times before. We talk about strength in numbers and the power of the many. None of us are smarter than all of us. We talk about that. We, we preach that. That all together, unified, we can do anything. But I'd like to talk today about the power of one. More specifically, one thing. 
And even more specifically than that, I want to talk about that one thing. That one thing, which is the title of our time together today. Look at your neighbor and say, that one thing. All it takes is one thing to make or break you. You don't have to rob every bank to go to jail. You only have to rob one bank. One. One defeat or victory at the right or wrong battle can turn the tide of an entire war. One. One bad decision can destroy a reputation that took a lifetime to build, can destroy a bright future. One. One small miscalculation in engineering, programming, aeronautics, or spaceflight can make you have to start all over again and can sometimes have disastrous or fatal consequences. One. One small bite of food before your surgery will make them have to postpone your operation and one small tooth infection going into that surgery can kill you. One. Some houses on the East Coast are three to four stories high. And in the dead of winter, one window not fully closed, just cracked a little in the attic, can keep that entire house from getting warm. One. One moment of weakness can kill a marriage. One decision, right or wrong, can determine your destiny. One. James 2 and 10 says, For whoever shall keep the whole law, yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. One. One. Now, as we move into the year 2023 and reflect on our lives, there are a lot of things that we've had to deal with as we've made it to this moment, this one moment. As we've dealt with and lived through and survived these things in life that we've experienced, there are certain aspects that have come up in us as a result of these experiences that make us who we are. But as many aspects as there are to our characters and personalities, there is one overriding aspect or attribute that can be said to define and inform our responses to whatever life throws at us. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we're all just one-dimensional. We're all fearfully and wonderfully made by our creator. But there is one aspect 
and our characters that define our approach or responses to what life, to life and what life presents us with. Now that one attribute is different in all of us. In each and every one of us here, it's different. In classical Greek literature, it is known as the fatal flaw, which is defined as a character trait possessed by a hero that ultimately leads to his downfall. It is the chink in the armor, the Achilles heel, the kryptonite within. It is that one thing. It is that one thing in the character's life or decision-making process that ultimately robs them of their happy ending even when they win the battle or the big fight in the story. I submit to you today that there is one thing that informs your perspectives regarding what is going on in each of your lives today, in your relationships your marriage, your finances, whatever that might, whatever it might be, there is that one thing that if you could figure it out, if you could deal with this one thing, it would leave you in a much better place a year from now than you are where you are right now. In fact, if some of us got focused on overcoming that one thing, whatever that one thing is for each one of us, we could be in a better place in life. Now, this isn't going to be new information for some of us. Some of us already know what that one thing is. You know what your one thing is. You already know. That one thing is something you've thought about. You've agonized over it. You've known it for years, that one thing. It, it may be something that you've even tried to deal with before, but for whatever reason, it still remains as something in your life that keeps you from moving forward. It's that one thing. Now, most of us here are familiar with the account of the rich young ruler. A young man of great wealth approached Jesus one day as he was ministering and touching people and said to him, Good master, what must I do to attain eternal life? Jesus answered him in Mark 10 and 19, saying, You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal, do not bear false witness or lie on people, and honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to Jesus, teacher, all these things I have done from my youth. He followed all of the rules. Now, it was clear that this young man really wanted to do what was right. When Jesus was on the road, this young man ran to him and knelt before him. 
He was authentic in his desire to come before Jesus, and there was no ulterior motive behind his question. There was no false humility here. He carried no air of superiority like the priest and the Sadducees did. Yet Jesus told him there was one thing that was missing. One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come Take up the cross and follow me. And the young man went away sad because he had a lot of stuff. Now, it's real easy to say that the man went away sad and didn't sell all of his things because he was too attached to them. Too materialistic. But you all know me, that seems just a little bit too simple for me. Not to say that he was not, an, there was not an attachment to his possessions, but it, it, it seems just a little too simple for me. Like there was more to it than that. I mean, it's true that in our time, materialism, which is an obsessive attachment to our possessions, to our stuff, is running through our culture like an epidemic. That is true. But as we look at this young man, there, there's more at play here than we're giving him credit for. Remember, it says that this young man followed every commandment in the law of Moses that there was. Even the one about covetousness, stealing, and fraud. So he followed all of those commandments. I believe that when he pictured in his mind his children that he was putting through school, that tuition was due next week. When he pictured in his mind his employees, all of the people that were depending on him for their livelihood, when he pictured in his mind his legacy and his responsibility to all of those things. You see, ancient, in ancient Judaism and in their culture, they were fanatically dedicated to their family and the land that they had gotten from their ancestors. They were very, very, very dedicated to that, and you just didn't leave all of that. But I believe that when he thought about all of that, all of that, he overthought what would happen to all of those things if he left and took himself out of the picture. It was more than just him liking his clothes and liking his Mercedes and liking all of his jewels and his money. There was a whole lot going on in there. He thought so much about what could possibly happen to all of that that he wouldn't let himself think about the possibility that God would supply and take care of his family, his employees, and his legacy. I know all of these years you've been presented with a simple aspect of what was going on there, but think about it. He thought so much about what could possibly happen that he could not let go and let God. That one thing for him, like 
many people who have a lot of people depending on them, is that he was an overthinker. It's not hard to do when you think about it. Just ask anybody sitting in here right now that runs a successful company or any company that has a lot of people depending on them to make right decisions. I'm looking at some CEOs in here right now that run companies. I'm not going to see you, but, but y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Hundreds of people depending on you to make the right decision. The Lord was asking this young man just to step away from that. It's completely understandable. But either way, whatever that one thing was, it made this young man walk sorrowfully away from his destiny, his potential, his purpose. Jesus looked upon this young man and loved him. Bishop likes to say that Jesus saw in this young man the fabric which, which he could weave a beautiful life and destiny. See, I was listening, Dad. I was listening. <laughs> but Bishop would like to say Jesus saw in this young man's life the fabric which, which he could weave a beautiful life and a destiny, but there was that one thing. Say it with me, that one thing. That one thing in Esau made him sell his birthright to his brother Jacob for a bowl of porridge. That one thing in Moses made him lose his temper and strike out in anger when God wanted to meet the needs of his people in the wilderness and he was not allowed to enter into the promised land. That one thing in Eli the high priest kept him from disciplining his sons and his family forfeited the priesthood and lost everything. Think about it. Now, God has put something in all of us. And again, I have to praise the Lord that you are here. I've been thinking about you and praying about you all week long. I'm so glad that you are here and online today. Let's praise the Lord for our online audience. Praise the Lord for all of you who are here today. But God has put something in all of us, a gift, a purpose, a calling. Something that if it gets out into the world, it will, the world will be a brighter place and the world will be blessed. It is that one thing specific to you that will make you salt and light in the world. It will bring you reason and relevance. It will help you understand that all of all of those that died, passed away, and are not standing here now, why you are still here. It will bring you reason and relevance. And if that which God put in you, that, that purpose is stopped in your life, if it doesn't come out, it will be because of that one thing. That one thing that you couldn't let go of. That one ungodly thought process. 
So what is that one thing in your life? That one habit? That one habitual thought process that keeps you from being the most that you could be? I know that many of us, and many of us, there are even even a few that are here now that believe that everything that is going wrong in your life is somebody else's fault or part of some cosmic conspiracy against you. But if you really pray and think about it, if you really pray and think about it, you'll see that it all comes back to you. Back to that one thing. Say it with me one more time, that one thing. There might be even someone out there that thinks that they don't have a fatal flaw, so to speak. They try to dress it up and say things like, well, my issue is is that I care too much. Or I trust people too much and people take advantage of that. Again, as if to say that it is them out there with the problem and not me. It's never me. I'm always so loving and kind and great. It's not me. Well, then if that is you, that one thing in you is pride. Amen. I know it's quiet in here. I mean, I know I done hit all up in somebody's kitchen. Well, I'll just talk about this meeting. Amen. Praise God. But most of us who are honest with ourselves know and can admit that it is that one thing within us that gets in our way. We know that God could do the miraculous in our lives if we could just get out of the way. So what is that one thing? Is it doubt? Is it fear? Is it your appetite for something that you shouldn't have? Is it that you can't let go of your past? That you can't let go of that one thing that you did in your past? Is it your regret? Is it pride? Is it arrogance? What is that one thing? There may have been one thing that we've done. One decision that we've made. One moment of weakness that we've experienced that when we think about it, it fills us with regret and the thought of, if I would have just, or how could I have, or what was I thinking. There have been things that I've thought about in my past and decisions that I've made when I was like, what was I thinking? And we would almost give anything to go back to that one moment so we could do the right thing. So think about that one thing. Or it could be a bunch of things Connected to that one thing. But think about it. Think about them. See, those are the things that the devil tries to throw in your face when God is trying to show you what he wants to do in your life or what he wants you to have. 
God gives you a glimpse of the greatness that he has in store for you, and you get caught up in that one thing, that one thing you did, that one time and period in your life. Every time God tries to show you your purpose, the devil will try to remind you about that one thing from your past. Or he will try to, through that one thing, to keep you bound and limited. But I want to remind somebody that in the name of Jesus, you can have victory over that one thing, whatever it is. We all about victory here at West Angeles. So I now call your attention to Brother Saul better known in this time as Paul the Apostle. Now, by his own words in Galatians 1 and 13, he says, For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. See, I think sometimes we gloss over that part because it's Apostle Paul. How I persecuted the church of God beyond measure. Think about every word in the text. How I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it, and I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. He said he was more zealous and more dedicated than even his own colleagues in the destruction of Christianity. For all extensive purposes, the man was a terrorist. I said it. I mean, we've all heard about how he, Paul, I mean, Saul, at that time, how he all held the cloaks and the coats of those who stoned Stephen. But being a man of such stature in the community and in the temple, it is more likely that it was he who stirred up the crowd that stoned Stephen to death. Think about it. The man we came to know as the Apostle Paul was present and possibly largely responsible for the death of the first person that died for believing in Jesus Christ. Just, just try to wrap your mind around it for a moment. Take, take, bring yourself there. See, since there were no cathedrals during that time, no church buildings, so to speak. Believers in that time worshipped in each other's houses. Saul, as he was known at that time, would find out where the believers were worshipping and he would show up with guardsmen from the temples and synagogues and he would arrest and imprison all of them. He would then oversee the torture, I mean, the interrogation of those he had captured until they told him where he could find more believers. After finding out where they were, he would then start that process over 
again. The Bible doesn't let us know exactly how many people Paul persecuted or how many stonings he presided over. But what we do know is that believers and Christians all over the, re over the region knew who Paul was and what he was about. He had a reputation far and wide as an enemy of the church. After his conversion, when the Spirit spoke to Ananias and said, hey, I'm going to be sending, you know, Saul to you of Tarsus, you know, so you can minister to him. He was like, are, are you sure, Heavenly Father? You know who that guy is, right? You know what he's been doing. We all know what he's been doing. But rewinding a little bit, soon Saul learned about some believers in the city of Damascus and Saul was on his way there to capture, torture, and interrogate and imprison more Christians when he met the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That one thing with Paul is that he was at one point in his life, he had a really deep hatred of Christianity. He was a zealot, a fanatic without peer, even by his own words. But here's the God in all of this. I really, I really need for you to get this at this point, because this is the main point of all of this. When you give yourself fully over to the will of God in your life, he can and will take that one thing in your life, that fatal flaw, and turn it into something that changes the world. I said, when you fully give yourself over to the will of God in your life, he can and will take that one thing, say that one thing, that one thing in your life that fatal flaw, and turn it into something that changes the world. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise on today. You see, even though his name went from being Saul to Paul doesn't mean that God literally changed him into a different person. God didn't literally change him into a different being. He did not give him a new face. People who knew of him could look at him and be like, hey, that's the dude I saw arresting and persecuting Christians not too long ago. Paul kept it hard in the paint before he met Christ and persecuted the church. And he was just as gangster after he met Christ. Amen. God didn't change that. He just changed who he was banging for. <laughs> Some of y'all out there know what I'm talking about. God took that one thing in Paul and turned it into that one thing. He said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching for those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
God took that one thing, that same zeal and Paul that he had as an enemy of the church and turned it around for his glory. Somebody in here give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I understand the apprehension that many people have out there about giving their lives over to God and accepting Christ into their lives. I understand, really, my brothers and sisters, I really do. You think that you're no longer going to be who you are, that you're going to be turned into some kind of robot or an automatron that just goes around quoting scriptures and pointing fingers at people and looking at your nose and judging those around you. But nothing can be further than the truth. He will take the you and everything that made up you, and he will turn it into something beautiful. He will turn it into something that can make you more than you could imagine. Something that will bring you into your purpose. It will give you reason and relevance. He will turn you into something that will be a blessing to the entire world. You see, when you give that one thing over to him, he takes it and gives that one thing back to you. It takes on a, a whole new meaning. It takes on a whole new meaning. That one thing, that one thing in your life that was holding you down now becomes that one thing, that one thing that launches you onward and upward. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Paul, in his new life, proclaimed, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal. It all comes down to that one thing. One. Luke 10 and 41, And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled by many things, but one thing is needed. One. In John 9 and 25, after Jesus healed a man that had been blind all of his life, when they questioned him trying to find fault with Jesus, he said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know but one thing, one thing, one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I can see. One, one. Psalm 27 and 4, one thing, one thing, one thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. 
it all comes down to that, that one thing. That one thing that you should know. That one thing that you should seek. There's really, really only one thing that ultimately matters. One thing that really makes a difference. And that one thing is that you get in connection with your heavenly father. That you give it all over to him. Let him turn that one thing inside of you that's been holding you back into something beautiful. He can turn your mess into your message. Hallelujah. There is so much more that God has in his will for you if you give it all over to him. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. It is time for us to press. Don't let this moment pass you by. Everything that you have gone through in your life has brought you to this one moment. For some of us here now, this one moment is the most important moment of your life, the most important moment of your existence. Don't let it pass you by. I think of one of my favorite poems. I have only just one minute, only 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me, can't refuse it, did not seek it, didn't choose it, but it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it. Give an account if I abuse it. Just one tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. Oh, let's give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise. Everyone standing in the house of the Lord on today. Hallelujah. 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 I love you and adore you. I want to tell you that I love you more than anything. I love you, Jesus. I worship Oh, come on, worship him with me for a moment. Just want to tell you that I love you more than Oh, come on, children, sing it out a little louder. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell Worship him, beloved. Worship him now. I love Lord. you. I love you, Jesus. Oh, I worship and Lord, adore Lord. you. Just want to tell you that I love you more than anything. 
Oh, give the Lord another praise on today. Everyone bow your heads and close your eyes. One. One decision can change your destiny. The decision you make in this one moment will resonate throughout eternity. Put that one thing in your life. Put your life in the master's hand. You see, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things passing away and all things becoming new. One act of love and sacrifice on the cross made the way for the entirety of humankind to be saved. One. But if there were only one person that needed to be saved, Christ would have come and died for that one. Through one act of a life being laid down, 100 billion failures are washed away. Every sin because of the loving act of one. I believe today that we can have victory in our lives through the power of Almighty God. But don't let that one thing in your life keep you from all that our Heavenly Father has in His will for you. You might all even already be saved. You might even be already in relationship with our Heavenly Father, but that one thing at times still stands in your way. Still stands in the way of you having a good and a full and fulfilling marriage. Still stands in the way of you having purpose in your life, that one thing in your life, even though you're saved, even though you've been a member of West Angeles for the past 20 years, that one thing in your life could still be trying to hold on to you. It is time for you to give that one thing over to him. It's time for you to go higher. It's time for you to be more. And if you are ready to go higher, higher in your relationship with Almighty God, higher in your life, if you're ready to let Jesus into your heart to take you higher and higher and higher, come on down here to this altar. Oh, come on, we're waiting for you. We want to pray with you. We want to go higher with you. If you want to turn that one thing over to him, just come forward. Hallelujah.